Morning Sermon Audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. Well, once again, good afternoon. My journey of faith began in my late teens, which, as perhaps you can tell, was many moons ago. And in that journey of faith, I haven't always been faithful. I haven't always been obedient. I haven't always been confident in what I believed. And um, thankfully, the Lord has always been faithful, but there have been times when I've been discouraged. And uh, I find inspiration and encouragement, especially in the lives and testimonies of the Christians who've gone before us. Uh, There's especially a, a wonderful story about missionaries by the name of Robert and Mary Moffat. Maybe some of you have heard that name before, maybe some of you haven't. But Robert and Mary Moffat uh, were Scottish-born, and they um, were called to the mission field, and they served for 10 years laboring faithful in what is today called Botswana. It was Bekwanaland at the time. 10 years without one ray of encouragement to brighten their way. Um, in those 10 years, not a single convert could be reported and celebrated. And after these 10 years, the directors of their mission had begun to consider whether or not it was time to call them home, whether or not it was still effective to have them out there and wise continuing the work. Well, the thought of leaving their post brought great grief to uh, Robert and Mary Moffat. They were certain that God was in their labors and that they would see people turn to Christ soon enough. They stayed, and it took a year or two longer, and things still didn't change. And then one day, a friend in England wrote to them and said that she wanted to mail them a gift and ask them, what would you like as a gift? Well, Mrs. Moffat, trusting that in time the Lord would bless their work, she replied, send us a communion set. I'm sure it will be soon needed. And uh, God honored that woman's faith. The Holy Spirit did move in the hearts of those people they were trying to reach, those villagers, and soon there was a group of six converts forming the very first Christian church in that land. And that set, that communion set did arrive from England just in time before their first celebration of the Lord's Supper. So yeah, sometimes it can be discouraging, but when I don't like to wait 10 hours, even 10 weeks for an answer to prayer, not even 10 years, then I find inspiration and encouragement from missionaries, from Christians and others who've been faithful even though they may have had some doubts and struggles and difficult times and challenges. And I ask you today, have you ever been discouraged in your faith as you journey with the Lord? You know, maybe feeling like you've been obedient and faithful and yet your prayers don't get answered how you expect them to be answered. Uh, maybe you've had the same prayer request for years, and it seems like God isn't even listening. Or maybe you've waited so long for what you wanted, and because God didn't provide what you had asked for, you decided, well, maybe I'll do things my own way. Well, if you've been there before, I hope that you'll find encouragement in a woman who Jesus said had great faith. It's a story in Matthew chapter 15 about a woman who came to Jesus and the first time I read this, I had to scratch my head. It just didn't make sense because Jesus didn't do the things that I would have expected him to do in these moments when this woman came asking for her daughter to be healed. 
And I couldn't figure out why Jesus wouldn't respond like I would expect him to respond, and I think perhaps that could be the problem of most of us in our faith journey. We have certain expectations of how God should behave, and then when he doesn't behave in that way, we get disappointed or discouraged in our faith. So read along with me, Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 21. And maybe you'll scratch your head and maybe you'll be happy that I'm gonna explain a little bit about this passage today. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to, a region, to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. I don't know, are you scratching your head? Why did Jesus ignore her? Not even respond to her request. Why did the disciples try to drive her away? Why, when he finally did answer her, did he say, it's not my job to, to uh, be blessing other people other than God's people? Well, it certainly had me scratching my head, and then I realized that sometimes God does remain silent, but that should not discourage us in our faith. See, Jesus left Galilee, the area of the Israelites, and withdrew to Tyre and Sidon. This region was historically a pagan territory. It is known as the place where Jezebel, that evil queen of King Jeroboam, was from. The region had a major seaport, and today it's part of Lebanon. Well, in that region, he was approached here by a Canaanite woman. And you might remember that the Canaanites were the ones that the Israelites were supposed to expel from the land. The Canaanites had false practices worshiping false gods, and any Jewish reader who reads this account would at, at once be set on edge if they still had their prejudices against the non-Israelites. Notice, though, that this woman, even though she's a Canaanite, she acknowledges that Jesus is the son of David, a messianic title, someone that the Israelites didn't receive at first as the Messiah. And this woman desperately wanted her daughter to be released from the demonic torment that she had. She was not coming on her own. She was coming on behalf of her daughter who was tormented. And she knew that it was Israel's Messiah that could expel this demon. And then Jesus doesn't respond to the woman. It seems so uncharacteristic of the Jesus that we see in the Gospels, doesn't it? All the times that he had compassion on people. When they were hungry, he fed the 5,000 because he had compassion on them. They looked like sheep without a shepherd. They came with all of their diseases and illnesses and demonic possessions, and he healed them. He took his time and attention, and here he didn't even listened to her, basically ignored her. But I realized that she's not the first one to come to God in complete desperation and then not receive an answer to her plea. There's Job, 
Remember his story? He was the righteous man that God allowed the enemy, Satan, to go ahead and plague. Convinced that Job had been disobedient to God, his friends, Eliphaz, says to Job, call if you will, but who will answer you? Because God wouldn't allow a righteous person to go through that kind of torment that Job had been going through. And Job pleads in, in Job chapter 7, verse 7, Remember, O God, that my life is but a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. He's pleading. And it's heartbreaking to know that Job was innocent of any wrongdoing. He was specifically chosen by God because he was righteous. And now he was being accused by his close friends of being unrighteous and sinful, and that's why he's suffering. And we're not told how long this affliction took. We don't know how long the conversation took. But through 38 chapters of Job, you see him conversing with his friends, and God doesn't begin to answer until chapter 38. Then God begins to speak up. Or take Daniel. He prayed for understanding of a vision that he'd received. He fasted, he mourned, he sought the Lord. No answer came to him for 21 days. But after those 21 days, the messenger that was sent to him said to him, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. That messenger had been held up by the enemy until the archangel Michael had come to help. And on and on the examples go. There's Asaph who wrote Psalm 83 and pleading with God, O God, do not keep silent. Be not quiet, O God, be not still. And David pleading with God, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Have you ever asked God that question? How long will you remain silent as I pray and desperately need this answer? Well, let's not forget, even Jesus knows what it feels like to be forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, Jesus said on the cross. And friends, if people as important in the scriptures as Job and David and Asaph, and even Jesus and Daniel could feel that way, then we shouldn't be surprised if sometimes God remains silent and takes us through those tests. Because when he remains silent, even though he does care, we can't understand why he doesn't answer. But Jesus assures us, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Will you believe him? As God's children, we're assured that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Do you believe that? We're reminded by Peter, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And just because he's silent, it doesn't mean he stopped caring. Yes, we're allowed to question God. We can ask him what's going on in the heavenlies, but we never need to question God whether or not he still loves us or cares about us because that was settled on the cross of Jesus Christ. And I love the story of uh, Henry Blackaby who, um, whose daughter had cancer when she was only 16 years old. You know, sometimes as children, when we don't get what we want, we'll tell our parents, it's because you don't love me, <laughs> right? But Henry Blackaby, although his daughter had cancer when she was only 16 years old, they never questioned God's love. He writes this in Experiencing God. He says, some people face such an experience by blaming God and questioning why he doesn't love them anymore. Carrie's cancer treatments could have been a very devastating experience for us, he writes. Was God loving us still? Yes. Had his love changed? No. His love had not changed. 
When you face circumstances like this, he says, you can question and ask God to show what is going on. We did that. We had to ask him what we should do. We asked all those questions, but I never said, Lord, I guess you don't love me anymore. So yes, sometimes God remains silent, but let us not get discouraged in our faith. Keep doing what God has told you last to do. After all, the Bible defines faith as being sure of what we hope for, not being sure of what we've already received. Faith is being certain of what we do not see, not certain of what we've already experienced. And the Bible goes on to say that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we can know that while we wait for Him to speak His answer, that God is pleased to remain silent because we're exercising our faith. And we can keep on doing what He last told us to do as we patiently wait to receive what we had hoped for and as we remain certain that all of His promises will be fulfilled in due time. His silence never means that He doesn't care for us anymore or love us. So in the meantime, just remain obedient to all the things that you know He's already said to you, spoken to you, commanded you. And you say, well, what has He told me to do? Well, as an example, just go to Romans chapter 12. In verses 9 through 21, there's at least these commandments. Love sincerely. Have we been doing that? Hate what is evil. Is that true of you? Cling to what is good. Are you doing that? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. How are you doing with that? Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. All of these are specifically what God wants you to do. He's already spoken these things. Have we been listening? Have we been doing what He's asked us to do? Why would He then tell us more if we aren't even obedient to what He's already told us? So God may be silent to our very specific plea, but He's constantly speaking to us through His Word, and we can demonstrate that we are listening as we confidently remain obedient and faithful to be doing what we already know to be true about Him and His will. And guess what? Sharing your faith is also one of those things that He wants us to be doing. So Jesus at first did not answer a word. And then the disciples come to Him and urge Him, send her away for he keep, she keeps crying out after us. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't have a care for her. It could also be that they're saying to Jesus, please grant her her request so that she'll stop crying out to us. That could also be how it, it should be understood. And Jesus then insists that his priority in his mission was Israel, not the Gentiles. He was the Messiah to Israel, the covenant nation whose God was the Lord. And the Messiah was promised to Israel through Israel's prophets to be a savior and restorer of Israel. And the woman knew and acknowledged that Jesus is the son of David, that is Israel's Messiah, the descendant of Israel's king. The woman knew this already. And God's blessings, yes, would come later on to the nations, but this time was not the time to offer salvation and blessings to non-Israelites, at least not yet. That wasn't part of God's plan just yet. Now, there, will be a t there would be a time for God's blessings to be enjoyed by the nations, and that's why you and I who are here today, many of us are not Jewish, and yet we are part of those who've enjoyed the blessings of the Lord and His salvation, because God's plan has, from the beginning of time, always included the nations. Remember that God made a covenant with Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you, 
And then what was the rest of that covenant? And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The suffering servant in Isaiah 53, the Messiah of Isaiah 53, was sent for the lost sheep of Israel. But then the Lord also says in Isaiah 53, in Isaiah 49, excuse me, verse 6 through 7, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And so early in Jesus' ministry, when he sent out his disciples, he said, go to the lost sheep of Israel. But at the end of Jesus' ministry, after he had already been rejected by Israel and crucified and buried and resurrected, then he says to his disciples, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't until after the, the, the rejection that the blessings would come upon the Gentiles and that God would reveal this mystery of his that Jew and Gentile together would form one body. But see, God's plan is sometimes completely different from what we'd imagined. And God in his mysterious ways is, uh, is sometimes beyond our understanding. We might come to God with a very specific outcome in mind asking him for a miraculous healing, expecting that surely a supernatural miracle in this case would bring you the most glory. But maybe God's plan is different to bring about his glory. Yes, you're asking for a soul to be saved. You're praying for someone that you love to be saved. After all, doesn't he want everyone to have eternal life and not perish? But maybe the timing is just different in his plan. We might ask for a marriage partner, expecting that he will provide one before we reach a certain age, because we have to have one by a certain age. Well, when God's plans are different from ours, oftentimes we don't understand why he doesn't do things our way. But let's remember, also from Isaiah 55, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So friends, God sometimes has plans that we don't understand, but let's not let that discourage us in our faith. Let us remember that the foolishness of God is wiser than our wisdom, and even the weakness of God is stronger than our strength. I love how in Romans chapter nine through 11, Paul expounds of God's divine plan of salvation, first for the Jews and then for the Gentiles. And even though Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has just explained this unfolding plan of God's, As wonderful as it is, he ends it with this doxology of praise. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? So when you're in that situation, when he isn't answering according to what you think and you hope he would answer in, trust that he is wiser than you. Trust that he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. He is aware of so many more factors than just what we hope for. Lord, don't let it rain today. Well, there's farms and farmers that are saying, Lord, let it rain today. He sees a much greater picture than we're ever ever able to comprehend. So we obey his will, even if we don't understand. Because as servants, ours is not to question why he requires certain things of us. It's not ours to tell God how to run his universe. We're just the clay. So, I love especially also the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
I'm sure you learned that story in Sunday school, that they were told to bow down before a golden statue. Nebuchadnezzar warned them, if they, if they don't worship his statue, you shall be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from me? And how did they respond faithfully? They said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They knew their God is able, but they don't know his full plan and his will. So perhaps he may choose not to save us from that. Whatever he chooses, we're still not going to bow down and worship. So let us not presume also to know God's desired outcome simply because we don't know all of God's mind. So yes, sometimes God remains silent. Sometimes his plan is different from ours. And then look at what happens next as Jesus was approached by this woman. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And she comes and kneels before him, Lord, help me. And essentially he says, no. He says, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Israel was understood to be the children of God. Non-Israelites oftentimes were referred by Israelites as dogs. Jesus is simply using a metaphor to help her understand that the purpose and his plan of his ministry was for the lost sheep of Israel. And it wouldn't be right to share the blessings with those who were non-Israelites. Ah, but she had great faith. <laughs> See what she says? Even the dogs, yes, Lord, first of all, acknowledging his lordship still, humbly acknowledging that he's allowed to say no. Yes, Lord, she says, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And in the very same metaphor that Jesus has just used, there are still blessings for those under the table. Things that those, the children may have rejected or they've thrown on the floor or whatever, there are still blessings remaining, and that's all she's asking for. And Jesus responds with marvel, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And sure enough, her daughter was healed from that very hour. So the no that the woman received was not a no for all times. And we have to remember in our prayer life that sometimes God's answer is no, even if it might not be no for all times. So as you come to God with a request for healing or a change, perhaps he says no. We can't understand why he doesn't say yes, but he's allowed to say no. Remember Paul, Silas, and Timothy wanting to preach the word in Asia. They had been called to preach and be missionaries, and yet it was God who prevented them from keeping on going so that they would instead be led in a vision to Macedonia. So there was a no answer to their prayers of let, uh, let, let us share the gospel here. And Paul was asking for the thorn of his flesh, thorn in his flesh to be removed. The answer was no. My grace is sufficient for you, God said. So let us not get discouraged in our faith. Notice what this woman does not do when she first receives the no. She doesn't argue that her needs make her an exception. She does not demand that any rights, uh, her, uh, she doesn't demand for her rights for her blessings. She doesn't come bitter about the privilege of others and she doesn't resent the blessing of God on the Israelites. She simply says, but there's going to be blessings that get left on the floor. She shows the utmost humility. She accepts that she is unacceptable and unworthy. She acknowledges that she is still poor and needy, and she's rec she recognizes she's not entitled 
to a special place at Messiah's table. Remember what the Pharisees and tax, the, the, the story about the Pharisee and the tax collector. One stood up to pray and said, Lord, I'm so glad I'm not like this tax collector over here. But the tax collector, the one who walked away justified, was the one that said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In humility, we have to accept God's no and trust him anyway. Because the no that we receive may turn out to have been a wait just because the time wasn't right. Not that the request was wrong, just the timing was wrong. So yes, God might sometimes say yes, but sometimes he might say no, and other times he might say wait. But in the meantime, I think this is the point of it all, that God desires in us a faith that will trust him no matter what his response is to our request, that will still hold on to the things we're certain about, that God still loves us, that he is still wise and, and all-knowing, and that his timing is always better than our timing. And this woman's faith was persistent. She was not discouraged by Jesus' silence or even his refusal. And she wasn't just trying to wear him out. You know how sometimes there's kids who just try to wear out their parents by asking for the same thing. We were on our way to a golf tournament crossing the ferry. We ran into a family that we know. They had two young boys that are also golfers. Uh, I was bringing my son with me. We were playing a tournament that was gonna be a, a two generations tournament. And as we sat there on the ferry crossing, the kids had noticed that there was pizza available in, uh, on, uh, uh, in the kitchen or in the, in the dining area of the ferry. And uh, so the youngest of their two boys came up to his mother and said, um, oh, please, can we have pizza? And she said, no, we brought our sack lunches with us from home. Of course, he says, oh, please, can we have pizza? She repeats herself, no, I told you we have food that we brought from home. So he walked right up to his mother's face, looked in her face and said, pizza, 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 pizza. <laughs> yes, that was persistent faith, right? <laughs> and of course, afterwards we went in and sure enough, what were they eating? Pizza. <laughs> she gave in. Sometimes our prayer request and our prayer life is like that, isn't it? We think we can just demand things of God even though he has a better plan, there's a good reason for not granting our request. If we just keep plaguing him and asking him and again and again and again, then finally he'll just tire of us and then he'll give it to us. I don't think that's the way the Lord is. He doesn't give it to us if it's not the wisest or best thing for us or if it doesn't bring him glory. And so even though we may be discouraged, let's not allow the silence of God or his uh, far superior ways, or even his no, discourage us in our faith. He desires in us a faith that trusts in him, no matter what his response is to our requests. Now, Jesus did reward her persistent faith with a healing, and we can also know that if Jesus doesn't reward us in this lifetime, we can know for certain as we remain faithful to him and obedient, that when we enter the kingdom of heaven, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, there was an elderly pastor who was also discouraged in his ministry. Many years ago, um, one Sunday, his deacon came up to him and said, Pastor, something must be wrong with your preaching and your work. There's only been one person added to the church in a whole year, and he's just a boy. 
and this minister could feel it. He too was discouraged. He said, God knows I've tried to do my duty. And that minister's heart was heavy. He, stand, he stood before his flock and as he finished his message, he felt this strong inclination that today would be the day that he would resign. He didn't, and after everyone else had left, that young boy who had just become one of those converts came up to him and asked them, the pastor, do you think that if I worked hard for an education, I could become a preacher, perhaps a missionary? And this elderly pastor, of course, his tears came to his eyes. Ah, this heals my ache, he said. Robert, I see the divine hand now. May God bless you, my boy. Yes, I think you will become a preacher. And that was Robert Moffat that he had been speaking to. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, sometimes we must wait a long time. And we don't understand, Lord, why you're silent or why your plans are different from what we'd hoped for. I pray, Lord, that you forgive us for being adamant and stubborn instead of simply being humble, persistent in our faith, but accepting whatever it is that you will answer us. Father, forgive us also when we just take things into our own hands and do things our own way. And uh, then we need to repent and also change so many different things. But Father, we pray that as we continue in our journey of faith, that uh, these encouraging words that we've heard today would encourage us on our way as well. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to the things that you've already revealed to us, and if anyone here today, Lord, has not yet received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if they haven't understood yet what it means to be saved by grace through faith, I pray, Lord, that today would be the day that they would exercise their faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has already done on the cross. So, Lord, find in us a faithful people, we pray, to persist, to continue, and humbly acknowledge that you are God and we are not. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash FIBC CPH. Thank you for listening.